Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I, I, think, they, I think they blew it. Because I look at it this way. What, what's the stupid Matt Damon line from the crypto pyramid scheme commercial, Fortune Favors the Brave? The Fortune Favors the Brave. Do it. If it doesn't work, oh well. Get somebody else. There's always going to be the next guy off of the Sean McVay assembly line. There's always going to be the next guy who's the hot coordinator from the team that's good. He's never been a head coach. Jim Harbaugh's been a head coach for 19 years. San Diego University, Stanford, 49ers, Michigan. I did the math yesterday twice because I couldn't believe it's been 19 years. 19 years he's been a head coach. He knows how to be a head coach. We don't know that Kevin O'Connell knows how to tie his shoes. Wow. All right. My, that's Mike Florio with, uh, with, with Big Cat from Barstool just staring at him on PFT Live. Mackie and Judd, Feedback Friday, where we take all of your questions, comments, concerns, critiques, thoughts, reckless speculation, whatever it is, through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. You can always hit us up on any social media platform at Score North as well. Um, Let's have that, boys, be the first. Actually, Joe in Minneapolis sent this in via Twitter, too. He said, regarding Florio saying the Vikings made a huge mistake by passing on Harbaugh, would love to hear your take on this. Well, first of all, to try and be as rational as possible um, and not ranting about it, we don't know yet um, because there there were were risks and rewards with Jim as well. Like, it wasn't all he's going to win and it's going to be perfect. Um, I will say this, the fact that they passed on him might end up being a mistake, but I am fairly certain in their minds, they were very afraid of bringing in a coach who in too many ways, personality wise, was a little bit too much, not identical by any means of the coach that was just here. And, and that when they went with crazy, I think that the internal, um, the internal feeling from the, from the franchise from the Wilfs on down was that this was going to be an opportunity to reset with a different administration and different look. And probably just as importantly from what they've been told by the players, you guys, a different feel. So, so personally, selfishly, I am disappointed. I thought it would have been great fun. Um, If the team wins, that's great. I'm not really concerned completely about if, if like the players are being kept comfortable and happy or not. So but from an organizational standpoint, I'm telling you right now, they saw some definite red flags. And last thing, too, if Harbaugh really arrived in town thinking it's my job, like 
it's my job. How many times did he have to be told that's not the case? Like, like the Vikings were leaking it out to everyone who, who called them, right? Hey, look, make it very clear. He's part of the process. But, like, there was never this definitive internal Vikings push of it's his job, and if it falls apart, oh, my God. So I guess I'm a little bit more un- understanding than Florio. But I just to be clear, I did think that it could be great fun. See, I think I've thought about this a lot the last couple of days. I think we as Minnesotans largely hate conflict. I think it makes us uncomfortable. We tend to be a little passive aggressive. And oh, let me just you know, sneak by oh. you there. Just uh, we just we don't we aren't uh, you know we aren't native New Yorkers who you know, if you guys I'm sure you guys have been to New York and have driven around and when the stoplight turns green, people start honking. I think they might have made didn't they make a law about that in yeah. downtown Manhattan where you like they That's just because the people lived downtown. But I remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago before they instituted that, like people would start honking at each other. Just conflict, conflict, just go, 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 right? And the way that I have some East Coast friends, New York friends, and they're much they're much more blunt and abrasive. And I like we don't we don't generally do well with blunt, abrasive Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau brought the Timberwolves to the playoffs for the first time in like a decade, more than a decade. And we hated him because he was brooding. He was not friendly. He was sour. Right. So I think some of this is we want the Vikings to win. And as we say on Purple Daily, we want the Vikings to win a championship, a Super Bowl before we die. But if we're being honest with ourselves as Minnesotans, we also want our teams to win in a certain way. You know, you can't, you got to be a friendly, likable coach. And you get, you got to be able to, you know, get up in front of the golden dunkers or whatever. And you got to be able to speak on the radio and TV and be likable. Like, I almost feel like, there's always these little like tags attached to success in Minnesota that we'd we we definitely want to win, but we want to win a certain way with a certain type of personality. And Jim Harbaugh, like Florio said, has been a head coach for 19 years, and uh, you know he, he took over that Stanford job. That was his second job, 2007, 2008, and they were building. So they went. They were under 500 those first two years, but when he turned it around at Stanford was 2009. And if you throw out the pandemic year where they only played like six games at Michigan, I think they were like two and four, throw that weird year out. He's never been below 500. His train wreck season was the 49ers where everyone hated each other. The team started to turn on him. He had the rip with the front office and the ownership and they went eight and eight. (laughs) That was the train wreck. So like if, if, if we were to have hired Jim Harbaugh here, it's guaranteed success. I'm not saying guaranteed Super Bowl, but it's it's guaranteed that you would win football games with Jim Harbaugh. And we passed on it because of his personality. He's a little bit weird. You know, he's got to explain yourself for the way things ended in San Francisco. I'm in on Kevin O'Connell, but he's never coached at a head level. He's never called plays, which I don't really care that much about. And so he is the bigger risk. He's the bigger risk. I, but he's but he's look at it. He's got a nice smile. Seems very likable, agreeable. He's going to collaborate. I just think I think there's a huge part of that that we we wanted to avoid the abrasiveness, especially coming off Mike Zimmer. If there's going to be any any sort of chance of it getting weird or awkward yeah, or uncomfortable, let's yeah. just avoid it. Yes, yes, we are going to have. If I don't care what the record is, damn it, we're going to have collaboration. 
If we don't have, we're going to get along here. Like, like they might win two games, but you know what? They're going to win two games while collaborating, and everyone in the hallway is going to say hello. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I think that what you're saying is actually correct, and, and I think that there are people within the Vikings organization who decided that what you said is how it needs to, to be. And look, they did go to players, and there's no question. Players said. This guy, this guy was really abrasive. Like he sort of ruled by fear. Like he challenged us to play hurt. And old school football folks would be like, "Yeah, damn right." Um, but yeah, they they might not be good, but they're going to be the kindest, gentlest, nicest, not good team in the history of football. The one thing with with Harbaugh though that I would caution is this, because my belief that the the answer to this question I think is no. Harbaugh would be great if you had a team that you thought it's go time and it's just coaching. It's go time. Go time. It's go time. It's go time. I mean, it is Super Bowl time. I don't see that. I, I think that, that the Vikings could overachieve possibly in 22, but I don't think it's a championship team because the race to me with Jim is you start the clock, right? And it's a shelf life job. So like, it's not like, hey, we'll see you in eight years. It's going to be great. So, so you start that clock, and if that clock starts on uh, a mad team or potentially a bad team, mm-hmm. um, I think it gets to be a problem quickly. So, so that's the – I would have loved to seen him. I would like to see him plugged into a team that has all of its ducks in a row. Why do you think people with, – with Doug Peterson, who just became the Jaguars' new head coach, Rick Spielman about to run that front office. I'm guessing that was a, a Rick Spielman hire which we'll get to we'll get to that on purple daily today. But why is it the people are so fixated on the way things ended for Doug Peterson in Philadelphia and the way things ended with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco when we know that almost every coach not named there's like five coaches that don't get fired, right? Andy Reid got fired in Philadelphia. Everyone gets fired. Sean Payton, Bill Bill Belichick probably won't get fired. He'll probably leave on his own, right? There's a small handful of coaches that kind of just do it on their own. Everyone gets fired. Everything gets uncomfortable and to a point where someone gets fired. Sure. Jim Harbaugh went to three straight NFC championship games yep. and went to a Super Bowl yep. with Colin Kaepernick, who was at, at his at his best, and Alex Smith, by the way, at his best was never considered like a generation. Like he had a couple of years where he was like the, the talk of the league. But like Jim Harbaugh squeezed the best out of those guys. And at its peak, he was one of the best coaches in the NFL. And same for Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl by outcoaching Bill Belichick with Nick Foles as his starting quarterback Today, in the Super Bowl. Three years, right? From, I, I believe, we All are right. now Philly, Philly, baby, right in our backyard. Happy anniversary. Uh, four years already. It's been four, four years. Four years. Oh, my God. And we focus less on, look what can happen. Hey, maybe this flames out in like four or five years. Who cares? What are you going to do in those four or five years? Can you get to a certain point? And so, again, I'm in on KOC. I think he brings a lot to the table. I love the Sean McVay coaching tree, and I am I'm not saying like Mike Florio is saying that they made this huge mistake, but I think the way it's being framed is how risky it is with Peterson and Harbaugh because of the way things ended is to ignore right. how great things were at their peak, and that's but, all that matters. So in, in, in Florio's case, I will say that part of his problem is, is he is a huge fan. He loves the Vikings. Grew yeah. up a Vikings fan. And I think that Mike, so Mike's weird because he's like super cynical and he's really smart. 
but he's also like idealistic at times. I think Florio's talking like the Vikings should win. Like you get Harbaugh, you're going to win. I'm telling you right now, this roster is is much better deconstructed. Like if you if you say Jim Harbaugh, you are our guy. We're giving you a five year contract, and you know what, Kirk's your quarterback, and you got Harrison Smith and Kendricks, and we got some cap problems. Going to be you know truthful about that, but we think that you can win. I think Florio thinks, oh yeah, this team can win. I'm here to tell you right now, the best thing for this team is to deconstruct that roster. And a lot of people, and I've been going through feedback for like three hours this morning across our app, YouTube. I mean, it's, I don't know if we could do a poll or something at some point, but like, I I feel like 20, 30, 40% of people are just like furious with the organization because they passed on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, King D11 via YouTube. Phil is the only one that sees how much we messed this up. You guys preach Super Bowls, and we finally have a chance to make a few, and we do this. I will no longer be a fan and can't wait to see the Vikings crumble in the next three years. Worst move in organization history. I feel like you probably weren't that much of a fan if you're, if this is the, this is the thing that drove you out. <laughs> um, let me keep going here. Mr. Sasshole on YouTube says, I'm stunned by this podcast. I give Mackie and Declan a pass because Mackie has been unable to form any contacts within the NFL despite covering it for a decade. Hmm. It's not true. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny rip, but it's definitely not true. It's a, and, yeah. and Declan is still getting the hang of shaving. <laughs> Damn. Always, well, that's, that's meaner. That's even and more mean. My Phillips Norelco does a great job, okay? I know exactly what it does. Well, that is Declan, he, Declan, Declan here, here Phillips Norelco. Go back to stash. But Zolgad, as a former beat writer, you should know that GMs are laughing at this franchise right now. Why excuses are being made for this franchise letting Harbaugh go, I'll never quite understand. Judd, I'd recommend trying to leverage some of those alleged sources you've developed. The real story. (laughs) I love it. This guy's great. (laughs) Love this guy. The real story of what went down <laughs> needs to be told because this is just another chapter in the abject ineptitude of this franchise. We still don't know like what happened in the Jim Harbaugh spoke to the Detroit Free Press. He declined to say exactly what happened yeah. in like the two or three hour window. The Athletics said we don't really know what happened in the two or three hour window. There was a random Reddit poster that said the Vikings were sort of balking at his price tag. I don't think that's the case at all. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. As far as I know from my alleged sources, <laughs> I I don't think the the actual contract and term came up. I think this was a I think the Vikings considered this to be to use a cliche a non-programmatic fit. Hmm. I think that that's what the Vikings said. Um, th- so I got a question back though, folks. I got a question for you. For Mr. Sasshole or for Yeah, well, Mr. Sasshole and, and you know what? I, and I appreciate the rips. They're awesome. Like all of them are great. great. I love them. The shaving one is great. The shaving one. The shaving one's fantastic. But here's my question back. Do you think because hiring Harbaugh and trying to win right now like like this is the guy means that you think that this team can win very soon here. Like like right now. Like he cuz he's not going to come in and be like I want to oversee a a rebuild. He's 58. He is, um, as far as I can tell, uh, a non-patient man. So, Mr. Sassel, 
Do you think sassy? Do you really think in your heart, heart of hearts that this team screwed the pooch and, and lost out on an opportunity for a Super Bowl next season? Because that's what Jim would be trying to do. And by the way, you can say yes. I'm just telling you, I am a fan of blowing a lot of this roster up. Same as the Wild. We were, Dex and I were told, you can't, oh, you can't do, oh, what, 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 Koivu got, no, oh, okay, he's gone. Parisian Suter, though, yeah, no. So, but they didn't, they didn't rebuild, though. But you don't have to completely rebuild, but mm-hmm. what you do have to do is take veterans out, pick them out, like broccoli, and throw them away. Oh, I love I, I love broccoli. broccoli. Yeah, broccoli's okay, delicious. Okay, what what don't you like? What what don't you guys like? Because I, I mean, want this to be a good example. Uh, beets. Peas. Yeah, beets. Okay. Beets. No one beets. likes beets. I love be- a good beet salad. Of course salad. you like beets. Oh, you guys should develop a taste for a good beet salad. Now, beets do have a downside. I don't want to talk about it. But a good beet salad is fantastic. I feel like I may have so I, they snuck some beets into a salad that I had for lunch the other Love day. I feel like salad. I may have experienced some of those yeah, side effects. Probably oh, the downside is disturbing to a certain mm. degree. But anyway, take the beets out. Take the beets out. That doesn't mean that the entire dish is ruined, but it does mean that what is considered to be a pretty important factor in said dish is gone. I would fair enough. I would say the Harbaugh situation was just the timing was off, man. The timing was off. Um, from where the franchise is at, from where he is at right now, th- that's where it comes down to. The timing just wasn't right. And to be honest, I have no problem with Harbaugh going into that interview th- saying and thinking, I'm going to get this job. This job is going to be mine. To be honest, I think you should have that mindset going into a job interview, especially a job that you want. You should have that mindset. Now, I understand where some people think like you're getting a little ahead of your skis there. Like you, you just got to, you, you haven't met these people and you think you're automatically a shoe in for the job. But I, I respect the hell out of him for thinking he was going to get the job. And I also understand why the Vikings, at the end of the day, didn't want to give him the job. The timing, there's an alternate universe here where, go back two years. Declan, you brought this up yesterday. If the Vikings lose to the Saints in the first round of the playoffs two years ago, it sounds like they were ready to move on from Zimmer. And then they had to, then they had to basically make a decision like, okay, well, they want a playoff game. There are some rumblings that Dallas might be interested in trading for him. Jim Harbaugh, 2019, went nine and four at Michigan, only six and three in conference. They were third in their division and lost in the in the Citrus Bowl. And they were and then that was like year five. They were there were a lot of rumblings that this isn't really working. Two years ago would have been the time to make that move, right? Yes, but I think that if that had all transpired, Stefanski is a shoe in back then. Okay, probably they yeah. really liked him. They really liked him. And and I think that this this O'Connell move is their equivalent of Stefanski. Yeah. Uh, all right. Rain Man via the YouTube comment section here. OMFG, if I hear collaboration, inclusivity, and culture one more effing time. I mean, JFC, this franchise is starting to sound like a cult. There aren't enough people talking about winning and championships. Those are the words I want to hear. Not this participation trophy nonsense. In fairness, Mark Wilf said championships and Super Bowl in his statement when they fired Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. So the ownership is thinking about and talking about winning in championships. I know I don't know if it's like a generational divide or something else, but the, I think there's a lot of people that bristle at this talk about process and collaboration, and it's very there's a lot of leadership buzzwords that are being thrown around not only in sports but just in like companies 
Mm-hmm. And I tend to I, I tend to jive with that. I like it. I understand that it's a lot of lip service and a lot of you just want to see wins on the field. But what these guys are talking about, Quasi, it's the process by which you can best build your roster, be efficient with your salary cap, you know, and 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 maximize your, your potential. So I don't know, just ignore the buzzwords and let's see what they do here in free agency and in the draft and see what they do with quarterback. And the most important thing is do they practice what they preach? Because it's simp- it's super simple to write those words down. And you go to your press conference and you, you stand up there at the podium and you get out the notes and you start to use the, those words. But the question is, if you practice them, I think ultimately it can be important, but some teams don't. So that that's my, what I am so curious about Quasi and O'Connell now is this. What are they going to do? Because we know nothing about them. Like, that's where I'm curious. What are you going to do? Be, because I because I think, Phil, I think part of the problem with those words in particular is the fact that the people my age hear them and think, what a bunch of pansies. What a bunch. Of, they're going around the building, uh, you know, singing kumbaya. I can't stand. These guys aren't aren't trying to win. Just the opposite. They have to make some brutally tough moves yeah. that are very harsh. But I think I think culture's confused for being a pansy, which it's not. Yeah, like it's like leading with your brain and your smarts in collaboration is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Right. It's but a sign he, of high but, IQ and EQ. You know, old guys like me are like, we didn't practice uh, culture, uh, at, you know, at, at St. Therese in third grade. We got in fights. So that's how we think, but I don't think we understand what they're trying to say. I will say, uh, to a point, emotional intelligence will get you farther in life than IQ, just for, for mm-hmm. those of you scoring at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Hoffman via the Scoring Earth app. <laughs> I just like to beat people up, but that's just me. Go ahead. Philip Hoffman says, here's an analogy for you and Declan, Mackie and Declan. The coaching staff was uh, the coach, the coaching. Uh, let me Let me see if I can. Uh, the coaching search was like the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. with Kevin O'Connell being Brian Danielson, okay, a smart technical <laughs> coach who comes in at number one. He interviewed first, and he's the Iron Man throughout the match. And then Jim Harbaugh comes in, and he's Brock Lesnar coming in at number thirty, with everyone like, "Oh, I know where this is going. Brock is going to win the Royal Rumble and go into WrestleMania." But wait, no, wait. Brian Danielson just eliminated Brock Lesnar. Oh, my God. O'Connell's <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. That's good. <laughs> I like it. I don't mind it. I any, don't mind uh, it. Any, any sort of wrestling analogy is good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll always appreciate that on the Pretty show. Uh, Brandon Perrine via the Score North app says, maybe you guys have covered this on an episode I didn't listen to, but in the spirit of reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Do you think it's possible that Mike Zimmer knew his job was on the line and chose to downplay the progress of Kellen Mond to make Spielman look bad and for another poor quarterback uh, pick so that he went down with Zimmer. I've been thinking that that was the case ever since the press conference where Zimmer threw Mond under the bus. Uh, I don't think Zimmer was thinking on that level. I think he just had no idea what to do with a young quarterback, so he just ignored him all year. I love that. That note is awesome. It's great. And I think it might be right. And, and here's why. If Zimmer had submarine mind, then Phil, I'm probably w- with you. Like, he just didn't know what to do. 
he submarined the entire third round. No, I think Mike screwed Rick. And I think, and something, again, something happened there. Something happened there at the end that got Rick from being basically promoted to fired. And don't discount Zim there, too. No, I think that Zim is an old, vindictive human being. And I think it's very likely that he had a, a, I don't know if plan is the right word. He had an inkling of what would cost Rick too. He literally took the entire third round and submarined it. I'm going to go through these draft picks. It's really interesting. And again, the, the Vikings, it's not like they had this loaded, perfect roster. Like you needed some of these draft picks to, to you, throw them in the fire and see if they can help, right? Correct. And so they drafted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven players. They drafted eleven players in this draft. Christian Derisaw, doghouse. Mike Zimmer put him in the doghouse because too much. he's a sissy, right? He's got some <laughs> mysterious core injury. Yeah, I thought and it was taken care of. Yep, thought it was taken care of. I was told it was taken care of. And then he didn't play Derisaw until like, and again, you know, he was recovering from injury, but he 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 was back in the mix at practice for weeks until they threw him out there. The next picks after that were Kellen Mond, Chaz Surratt, linebacker, Wyatt Davis wasn't active for a game all year, right? Yeah. I think he was. He might he have was. played special teams once or something. I don't remember. But, yeah, he definitely didn't get what we expected, which is plug and play. I guess he was active for six games, it says on here, yeah. but he didn't do anything. Uh, Patrick Jones the second. He had to play because they had no ends left. Kane Wangwu. Had to be like forced into playing at yes. one point, right? He had, he had some sort of injury or something. Returns. Yes, but he still was a a good coaching staff would have plugged that kid in and oh, used him God, yeah. not to run up the a gap. Yes, he he was submarine. And then Zimmer found a defensive guy that he liked quite a bit, Cam Bynum. He's like, all right, Cam Bynum, you're a good you you can play some safety, you can play maybe a little cornerback. You're a hybrid defensive back, and I'm a yep. defensive backs guy. So all right, you're in the club. Cam Bynum was in the club. Okay. Uh, Janarius Robinson, I think he might have got cut. I can't, no, no, he was a defensive end. Uh, and then Amir Smith-Marset, he got in. He caught like five passes all year. Yeah, he basically yeah. made a return to kick. Yeah. Uh, and then Zach Davidson, wasn't he the tight end who was also he was he cut, long right? snapper guy or, or punter Jack guy? Punter too. guy, tight end guy. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Jalen Twyman, defensive. So, I mean – the results and the playing time kind of right. speak for themselves. He right. either Rick Spielman had the worst draft in I mean, let these guys play out for two or three years, but either one of the worst drafts in his life as a GM or Mike Zimmer said, I'm good on playing these guys. Correct. And yeah. the third <laughs> and, and third round gave you a few guys who we thought, not including mine, but we thought these kids were gonna play. And it's like you can't Especially play. Wyatt Davis. Dude, not to not to put it all on like mock draft uh like rankings, but you know, there's there's these websites that will take every mock draft in the universe, and and a lot of them are credibly you know scouted and vetted, and it'll take the the consensus ratings. And like Wyatt Davis was consensus second third round. Some had him first round talent, but definitely ready to at least experiment with playing. And like he wasn't a guy that you would just deactivate for the entire season, and he couldn't get on the field. He was too. And the Vikings fat. had two. Awful offensive lineman the entire season at center and guard. Amazing. All right, Josh Johansson here <laughs> via the Score North app. Uh, 
Here's another conspiracy theory for you boys. Was Rick Spielman fired because he wanted Doug Peterson to be the head coach? Reckless speculation. And the Wilf family didn't. Coincidence that the Jaguars are about to have Rick and Doug on the same staff. I say I say no, but I will say with Spielman essentially getting this role where he is above GM, not the same title in Jacksonville, but probably the title that the Vikings would have explored having with him. I think Rick took those principles, spun it to Jacksonville and said, this is what I wanted to do in Minnesota, what they were going to, that's, that's what we wanted to shape things up. And I know the exact kind of coach, what, what this team needs. You guys have Trevor Lawrence, who was a generationally great quarterback, but he had a horrible rookie season. Urban Meyer was the worst possible person for him. This culture was terrible. Let's bring in Doug Peterson. I think he took some of the principles that he wanted to do here in Minnesota if he had that GM position removed to this new one and basically spun Khan uh, and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars into this position now. And I wish Can him the best, talk? too. I wish him the best, too. I think, Can- he'll, I think it's going to work. Can we talk about the savviness, the the um, the snakiness of Rick? Rick Spielman is, in some ways, he's maddening to watch work. In some ways, the man is a genius. Mm-hmm. He just he is getting himself a job with a team that had the first overall pick, and we still believe took a generationally good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He'll never have to worry about what he can't do. Correct. He's he's the and he rich found, old guy who's getting married to the twenty four year old super mo- model. He's Hugh Hefner, <laughs> Rick Spielman is Hugh Hefner. He is. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Rick Flair who just got divorced, divorced. from his fifth wife this week. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's like a, he sent like a press release out that they're like amicably parting ways or whatever. She's like thirty, um, <laughs> something like that. Woo. But but this is genius. I I think Doug, I think if Rick had kept his job and they fired Mike, which is what Rick thought was going to happen, I think he would have hired Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he probably I'm kind of with Declan. I think he went to Jacksonville and said, "Well, listen, you know, I've learned a few things in my 15 years with the Vikings. I feel like coach quarterback relationship is the absolute most important thing." I'm also not that great, as he said in a bunch of interviews, at identifying quarterbacks. So you guys already checked that box. Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent that just needs a quarterback whisperer head coach. I know just the guy. <laughs> it's very interesting. And did, did you see who who uh, Doug Peterson supposedly wants to talk to ASAP about bringing on his Jacksonville staff? Mike Zimmer? John DeFilippo. Be uncomfortable. Oh, God. John yeah. DeFilippo. Because you know what? Because you know what? I think that John actually might be okay. Yeah. Except he had to work with Kirk. And Mike. And, and, Mike. and between those two, it didn't work out for John Filippo. Amazing. Dude, Our the savviness of our listeners, too. Just oh, yeah. Theories. They live the lifestyle. They live the reckless speculation lifestyle, and they do it well. Yeah. All right, let's keep the feedback coming here. Presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. You know, Federated has been all about. You guys make fun of Kirk Cousins for uh, for being risk averse, but you know he really is. I would hire him at Federated because it's all about protecting businesses and shielding them against risk. He'd actually be a perfect Federated marketing representative mm-hmm. if he's smile. ever looking for a second career. Let's make it happen. Yeah, big smile, big headshot. <laughs> 
You can find out more about the trusted resources and people that can help take your business to another level at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, uh, let's keep the feedback coming here on Mackie and Judd. You can always hit us up on the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. That's the central hub for everything we do, all of our podcasts, all of our YouTube videos, and all of Judd's written work. You can also always hit us up on uh, Score North YouTube channel, Purple Daily YouTube channel, Score North Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I'm pulling some of the a lot of Timberwolf stuff here. They won their third game in a row last night, and they are now two games above 500 for the first time since the first week of the season. And they are knocking on the door of the six and the five seed in the Western Conference. So I'm pulling some of this from uh, just reaction from the game last night. Uh, Kyle Teague from Canisupis, who posted a video of the Wolves bench kind of clowning around at one point during the game. It was at this exact moment that I realized the Timberwolves simply cannot make any trades prior to next week's deadline. The chemistry right now is just too strong. Uh, J-Rock on Twitter also chimes in saying, we finally have a team that's young and hungry and bought in with everyone contributing. There's no attitude or egos that affect the play. It's just one big family out there playing games against uh, other teams. It's fun and exciting to see the chemistry and watching them get better. It does feel different. It does feel different. I think get uh, the flag. Yeah, get the flag. Get the flag. Get the flag. Two games above 500 oh, in forever. February. Get me the LOB. Somebody get me a damn LOB. L-O-B. 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 I saw Dukes was uh, was tweeting out some from his latest Scoop podcast. That the Wolves are pushing hard for Marcus Smart, and it would yeah. potentially cost the Wolves something of maybe a Malik Beasley. J.D. McDaniel's name has been throwing in there. A protected first has been thrown around in there. I I would entertain that trade. Like I, this is this is the fun part of where the both the Wolves and the Wild have to figure out because they're both turning a corner here. The the Wild being a little obviously a little bit more ahead of a schedule than than the Wolves are. But how can you also improve this roster without having to shake the core of it? Because because. Fenton, or not Fenton, excuse me, Fletcher was notorious for always making a move. Let's bring in Sean Bergenheim just because we have to make a move. Matt Molson, um, and obviously the Hansel trade derailed the that entire team when they were off to an insane start in 2017. So th- this is the fun part that these executives and these teams now get to figure out if they want to make a move at the trade deadline. Man, I so first of all, do not trade Patrick Beverly. And I'll give you the, I'll give you the there we go. Play the Thank flag you. one more Thank time. You. Yeah. Thank you. We're talking big trades. Yeah. Do not trade Patrick Beverly. I know that he's a little older and he's kind of banged up. I, Patrick Beverly's presence yep. in street clothes on the team plane is worth the money. Mm-hmm. I legitimately think, like, you watch these these guys play now. I think he's part of the gel that's bringing everyone together. I think he's part of the reason why Carl Anthony Towns, and we'll get to a comment about Towns too, while Carl Anthony Towns. Looks like he has a different demeanor the last two or three months on the court, too. Mm-hmm. So Marcus Smart is fine. Good, solid, you know, 30 minutes a night. You could start him, could come out. I could see him as like a sixth man. Um, I worry a little bit. He's not a great shooter. So I worry a little bit about just like a decrease in the Wolves offense has been unstoppable. Um, but he does provide some some good perimeter defense. I don't know. I'm like, Marcus Smart's fine. I'm not. Am I giving up a. I'm not giving up Pat Bev, and I worry about even giving up Jaden McDaniels. I like Marcus Smart, but 
I kind of agree with these guys in the feedback section here. Like, is this something you want to mess with this year, or is this something that you want to ride this year? Like, you're in playoff position right now. Can you make moves this offseason once you have more of a 30,000-foot view of everything? I don't know that I'd want to upset what's happening right now. So how far do you think, Phil, that this team can go? Because that that's the question. Because you, I don't think that you're going to upset the roster much if the realistic expectation internally is, yeah, we're a playoff team, and we can make the playoffs, and we're probably going to lose in the first round. So how far do okay. you think they can go? That's so, the question. I, here's my my answer. I don't care this year. This this year is this year is less about how far you can go, and it's about just get there. Just and, and and maybe people can light me up for this, but I think the off season. So the goal this year should be just get to the playoffs, establish that you are a winning playoff team. Well, I was gonna say for the first time in 18 years, but you know, Tom Thibodeau won blip season, but it's establish that this core is a winning playoff team first. Anything beyond that is gravy. I'd like I'd like to see them fight in a series. I don't want to see them just get swept. Um, then in the offseason, I think you have to evaluate, okay, what's our new goal? So we've made it here. Now how can we climb up to like one of those top three or four spots in the West and keep the assembly line moving here? And then you might have to make an uncomfortable decision. Then does it does it require trading a Jaden McDaniels or first round picks for an actual like starting caliber player or a game changer? I think the way they're going right now and the fact that the schedule loosens up, they're just on such a great path. Can they win a championship this year? No. Will that eventually be something that they should talk about in the future? Yes. I would be careful, man. And the Ben Simmons stuff, too. I know that we were all in on the Ben Simmons talk six months ago, four or five months ago. It's weird that he has chosen to just not play. The whole thing. You know, it's... There's always been questions about his desire to improve his game and how much does he really does he have any dog in him, right? And yeah, you know, and I was willing to kind of put that stuff aside and say maybe he just needs to change the scenery. He's a wildly talented player, you know. Even if he doesn't come around as a shooter, he he's such a great defender and passer and open court player. But I just like I'm not I'm not I don't I've done a full 180 on this. Like I'm not trading D'Lo for him right now. I was wrong six months ago. I was wrong. D'Lo has been a wonderful leader and just facilitator of this whole thing. And so I guess my long-winded point longer is I would be really careful. What can you accomplish at this year's trade deadline that's going to really put you onto another level that like that's I, my question. That you can't accomplish in the offseason. Right. I would wait till the offseason to make a big move. Okay. That's my thought. Um, let's see here. Feedback Friday. Jack Borman from Canisupas, giving Canisupas, good Timberwolves blog, some love. He says, Cat, so he was referring to the like the end of the game last night when the Pistons started coming back a little bit. And Cat had a couple great defensive plays in the paint where, like, you know, ordinarily he might commit a foul or get caught in the spin cycle, and he blocked a couple shots. Cat commits fouls more often on shots in the lane like that in years past. This year he's consistently blocking or significantly altering shots on plays like those two near the end of last night's game. Incredible player who dedicated himself to improving on defense and is having an incredible season as a result, and now he's an all-star as of yesterday. So my question to you guys is, do you feel like we're seeing sort of a new level of of Cat? I feel like we're seeing um, what Cat can do when he is playing like a true professional and an adult. So, because I mean, he's always been talented beyond 
belief. He does not always and has not always played like an adult. Uh, there have been times like the constant moaning and groaning and falling down and flopping, mm-hmm. which, which he still which he still does. Don't get, get me wrong. But, Phil, this goes back to what you said. And And as a hockey guy, I believe this is so important. I think what Patrick Beverly brings as a professional and as a guy who knows what winning looks like and how you win. And, and uh, I'll go back to that word that lots of folks hate setting a culture because a culture, again, it, it's not a wussified state. A culture can be very difficult too. a culture is how do you break through uh, and get and go up? So cat, like if you look at, at what he's done statistically, it might not always be great, but when you watch the games, you see it, right? The defensive plays, the fact that he's applying him, himself, the fact that Beverly, I think, brings an inherent intensity to this team that we didn't see for years. And, and so that's where Gerson's move was so smart, because even when Pat Bev is not playing, I feel like he has the ability from the bench to hold guys accountable. And and if I was to go through the list of guys on this team who I think have benefited the most from that sort of presence, I think Cat is atop that list. I think lots of guys have learned, but I think Cat is is now number one because he is playing like a guy who truly gets it. And I don't know that there's been a consistent stretch throughout his career until now that he's done that. Yeah, I'm just going through some some Cat stats here on Basketball Reference, so. They uh they have they have win shares like in baseball they have wins above replacement in basketball they have win shares, and he's tenth in the NBA right now in win shares. Here's the other guys on that list: wow. Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best defensive players in the league, Chris Paul, uh, Jarrett Allen from Cleveland's having an awesome season, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry, Demontis Sabonis, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns. He's ahead of, and some of this is, I should, I should also, some of this is like LeBron and Kevin Durant are behind him in part because they've missed more games. This is a, cum- a cumulative stat. But I feel like, so that's, that's the stat answer. I feel like his demeanor feels more centered this year than it has been in years past. And like he can still pop off and get a technical and stuff, but like, it just feels like he's spending more time channeling his energy into the actual game itself than into the officials. And I'm not saying that he doesn't still argue with officials and, you know, he gets demonstrative still because he's an emotional player, but it feels more controlled this year. I think part of it's Chris Finch. I think part of it's Patrick Beverly. I think part of it's Anthony Edwards who can get a little demonstrative sometimes too. But if that's how Kat's going to perform going forward or he's going to be less affected by outside circumstances, bad calls or game flow going the wrong way. And he can just be centered regardless of what's happening and control his emotions and channel that energy into the game rather than getting caught up in the spin cycle all the time. Then it's huge for the Timberwolves. And it's, I think that is a big reason why they are two games above 500 right now. Yeah. I, I think he's getting a little bit more mature in, in that, in that fact that he doesn't, let his emotions completely ruin things. But, I mean, this is also a guy who, I mean, he led the NBA in fouls in 2018 and 2019. And that's not all his fault. I mean, there are some weird situations where the referees seem to target him, but I think that's also because of his demeanor and how he acts. And if he can stop doing that as much, then he'd be fine. Like, his personal foul rate is still about the same of his career, but can he not let that consume him? 
Like it, and, and you've seen Jim Pete talk about that. I think that's where Pat Bev plays an instrumental role that is unquantifiable, where he's calmed him down a few times. It's not letting his emotions getting getting the best of him in, in those situations. Yep. Jim Pete clapped at uh, Anthony Edwards last night late, too. There was, you know, the, the Pistons were coming back, and Ant, Ant got fouled, and this happens. Like, this is, he got fouled going to the hoop, no call, ball bounces off the rim. And now it's five on four the other way because Ant is sitting back there yelling at the official and the Pistons knock down a three. And I just want to like reach my, like poke my head to the TV and just yell at these guys. You're going to, you're going to get bad calls against you. It's more powerful if you play through it unaffected. Right. And and that's what Jim Pete was saying too. He's like, Correct. not only do you have to get back on defense, but play through the contact and just get the bucket. You're like 230 pounds. So, like, that's one of the, the things that I think this team still has to be mindful of. But Cat has been better at it, I feel like, in the last couple months than he was even in the first couple months of the season. Speaking of Anthony Edwards, after the game last night, he's walking up to the Zoom podium for his postgame press conference. And he's, like, got his phone in his hand. And he's kind of, like, stalling and buying time while he's doing something on his phone. And, and he says, uh, I love you, Minnesota. May I, I hope you all love me back. And he's, like, on his phone. So he was ordering McDonald's chicken McNuggets on the, the dollar menu on his phone because he was hungry. And he said, ah, I'm just kind of cheap. He goes, well, I'm not like cheap. I love, he goes, I love cars and jewelry. But like with, when it comes to food, I'm, I'm kind of cheap sometimes. Yeah. And um, young. Yes. And young. <laughs> so what is your what is your guy's favorite go-to fast food item? Oh, easy. You're in that moment and you're, you're trying to order something on your phone. What is it? Uh, Taco Bell or White Castle. Uh, I love, and I'm well aware of what Taco Bell and White Castle can do to you. I accept these terms, and I accept these risks every time I go to Taco Bell and and uh, and White Castle. I, last night, though, like when I, if I'm feeling a little fancier and I want a little more step up from the from the cheap options of Taco Bell and White Castle, and again, cheap shameless plug, can't beat a Culver's Butter Burger, dude. It is the cream of the crap. Of fast food burgers and it's not close. It is really good for the Midwest, at least. I do love In and Out, and that's not over here. But, but yeah, Taco Bell, White Castle are, are my are my go to cheap fast food options. Dude, I was gonna say Taco Bell. I forgot about White Castle. Love a crepe for a guy with a bad stomach, Phil. You eat or you like more um, mm-hmm. bad for your stomach food than anyone I know. That's the beauty, though. It, it's all about timing. On a on a Tuesday night when you got a big day of work and meetings on a Wednesday, you got to play it safe. Right. On a Friday night when I got forty eight hours Fun. or more to recover and I'm not Fun. doing did not doing anything on Saturday morning, a little spicy food, maybe a little uh little something. Little you just have to envelope. have the mental conversation of do you accept these terms and risks and and <laughs> Phil and Phil says yes I do. God bless him. Yeah. So what's your what's your what about fast you, Judd? I really don't do a lot of fast food now. Um, okay, but in moderation. I, I will Liv- say. Olivia boy. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm a very healthy, I'm a very healthy guy. I've dropped a lot of weight. Um, actually, sounds weird, but Ant is right. McNuggets are good. They are really good. Because you can crush them and, and the dipping sauces. I love dipping sauces. Yeah, they have like six dipping yeah, sauces. Yeah, so like you can, if you don't like one, you're just like, hey, I'll just. Use this sauce and change the flavor completely. So that's not that's not a bad call. But he's going to be able to do that for what about five years? 
then he's gotta be careful. Years, yeah, and gotta... then it's like it, now it's time to read that TB12 book, baby. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's gotta talk to Alex Guerrero. Uh, a couple more straggler feedback comments here. Uh, D works on YouTube says sounds like the Vikings ended up harshing Harbaugh's mellow. Six hours of questions is not something a guy like Harbaugh is used to. Harbaugh probably thought, when the heck is this grand inquisition going to end? It's, yeah, that's probably absolutely correct. Like, okay, we're on hour three of these San Francisco questions. Okay, Trent Balky's an idiot. How many more times do you want me to say it? Just give me the job. Give me the damn job. Where's the contract? Yeah, he seems like he's such a, he seems like such a, like, aloof is the wrong word. He's just like head in the clouds kind of a guy, just marching to the beat. And, yes. That's and, the, they're, and they're trying to get true. him in a conference room and grill him on what yeah. happened, you know, year four in San Francisco. Here is the oh. fifth person you are going to meet meet with, Jim. Jim's like, what the hell is this all about? Who are these people? Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a, an accurate assessment there. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tim Zygmunt, I, I kind of like this. This is maybe a discussion for another day, but just he says, I'd like to suggest a plan to discourage the worst instances of tanking in professional sports. While bad teams would still get good draft picks, the very worst teams would no longer get the very best picks. It would also prevent teams from profiting year after year of abject failure. So his his plan is step one: the the worst four eligible teams would be placed in an unweighted lottery. So they would just be all would have a twenty five percent chance. Oh, okay. The teams with the worst record cannot receive the number one or number two pick. If they are in this lottery of the four worst teams, if they are drawn first or second, they would be placed in the third and fourth spot, and so on. No team may participate in the lottery in consecutive years. So essentially you would say if you finish in the bottom four, you can't get the number one or number two pick in your draft. You're going to get the third pick or, or fourth or fifth pick. But maybe you, you might get screwed and get the sixth pick. Yeah. I kind of like this. Which can happen. You'd right? be incentivizing teams to, to be better than terrible, right? I am, I am for, for relegation or nothing. That's kind of what the, this is kind of like. Um, yeah, but I want you to be relegate. knocked down, which is obviously not a realistic plan. Uh, I feel like we sort of have this, though, right? At least in hockey and basketball. Yeah. Not, not baseball. Yeah, football. well, the, the NBA, I think it's, is it the top three teams have the same percentage? But they're, but they're still picking for, they're getting yeah. the best odds for the number one pick. And I think hockey changed it, Dex, if I'm not mistaken, that you can't drop. If you were the worst team, you can't drop lower than, what, third or yeah. fourth or something Yeah, because, uh, what, two years ago, that ha- I think the, was it the Devils that dropped from, like, they had the worst record in the league and they only picked fourth or something. I Something okay. like that happened. Yeah, I, hockey's the similar boat. Uh, well, I'm in, uh, I'm in two fantasy football leagues and a baseball oh, league. Where tell us you, all about them. If you Come finish on. in last place, you, you have to pay more money to the league prize pool. I like Maybe that. Maybe that's what it is. You finish last place, and you have to give a million dollars to yeah. some other team. I don't know. Yeah, and you have to give your starting How, quarterback. How'd up. your teams do, Phil? Actually, the starting quarterback would be crappy. Those teams. Um, I don't want Tyler. Did you finish in last place? Morning? I had to. I had to pay a couple of times. I had a bad year of fantasy sports. I had. Uh, I I got out of this league, thank God. But I heard. I, to, I quit everything. I heard friends do this now for the last place team, which I think is a very interesting and cruel punishment if you finish last. So the person that finishes last in the fantasy football league, he has to buy a subscription to a certain website. I won't name the website. Okay. And then he gives the username and password to everyone else in the league. And then they change the password. So then the person who's in last place still has to pay for it, but can't access said website. 
forever for for that whole year. So he has to still that pay sounds... for it. And he then and then they can't access what, said what, website. Is there, is there like a hook on what the website is? Uh it's an entertainment website. Let's, I'll, I'll yeah. say what it is. That's what it is. Entertainment website. But then they have to pay for it for everyone in the league, and then he also can't access said website. Oh, I get you. So they all get to use the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he does. Oh, and then he's pretty, on the hook oh, for the oh, payment oh. and still can't access it. Oh, that's harsh. It's a. It's a. Okay, here's a dumb way. question. I wouldn't. Do you really that. need to pay for websites? I agree. It's 2022. Not doing that. But, I mean, so what, what are you what, what are you getting with the paid tier that you aren't getting with the free tier? I I don't know. I want to pay for a site that I can't get that that content free elsewhere, like the Athletic. <laughs> yeah, like the Athletic. Has the like Athletic thought about read, branching out a little yeah. bit? <laughs> like, but but I'm saying to Phil's point, I think I think I know that the road we're going down here, and like that stuff's free all throughout. So like, you don't really need yeah, to. Have you can a get ESPN.com for, for free. You know, you don't you don't have to just right. Have to I'm pay saying for plus or I would rather have a times. I would prefer to have uh, exclusive content that right. I can't get anywhere else. Right. For mm. you know the latest on let's say you know Timberwolves. what's free the Score North app. Right. We got a special going on. It's Always free. Had. You can just Always download it for been. free. Yeah, you can. You can hit us up with feedback for free. You can read Judd's articles for free. It's great. All right, that's Feedback Friday here. Mackie and Judd just solving the world's problems. One reckless speculation question. Reckless speculation. By the way, uh, thanks for helping make Purple Daily a top 10 charting Apple football podcast this week, you guys. Not you guys, but the audience. Yeah. No, I knew exactly what you meant. Like, bravo. Mm. You out there. Bravo. All right, we'll see, we'll see you guys next week on Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.